a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Congratulations, you uh, survived the uh, launch of the uh, astrophysicist show of Table Talk Radio. Yeah, uh, our special astrophysicist theme <laughs> show. Now, I, uh, this is our outreach to all of all of the... Uh, <laughs> if you could make a copy of this show and give it to your astrophysicist friends, yeah. uh, we, we would greatly appreciate this. That's a good idea. Yeah, I never so, thought about that. Yeah, so, so do you want to read the email as to why we're having yeah. this? Yeah, hey, we got an email. This is from Andrew. Andrew, Ph.D. Hey, guys, as much as I hate to admit it, I'm a listener and I am an astrophysicist. The listener part is the part I hate to admit. So that brings (laughs) your count up to two astrophysicists. There must be some penchant for pain that's common to those of us who study astrophysics that make us ideal candidates for Table Talk Radio listeners. Indeed. I think that's it, yes. Keep up the mediocrity, so, Andrew, in, Ph.D. In that, in that, in that line, then we uh, the games we're playing you know, today are, are Witch Rocket, yeah. uh, Bible Bee Stars Edition. The Space Edition. The Space Edition. And right. then Ten Commandments in the News. I wonder what those articles are going to be about. Now, I think this is, you know, I've always thought that Table Talk Radio is there for the highbrow, you know. You got you got the other kind of uh, you got the God whispers. They're, they're hitting the bottom of the barrel, you know. And then you got issues, etc. Fighting for the faith. You got uh, Ketchelmeyer has his uh, Redeemer Theological Academy, which is uh, fairly intellectual. And then top shelf intellectual theological content, yeah. not to be rivaled anywhere in media. Table Talk Radio. That's right. Our target audience are the astrophysicists. Uh, God whispers target audience are those who just simply buy bacon. <laughs> The, the bacon the, the, the bacon shoppers that that's who they're the going consumer for. of bacon <laughs> notice how uh, you haven't wanted to have a, a Bur- Bill Swirla on recently to to play a little iron preacher I do want to have him on <laughs> uh-huh bring it on <laughs> Swirla have you ever been on his show no I don't think so. Except for when uh, the only time I was almost on the show was when they thought that I uh, I punked them by writing as an atheist. Oh yeah, yeah. That? <laughs> that's right. It actually wasn't me. Uh, that's great. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Well, I have a, a buzzword for you. My uh, buzzword for you is ascension. And, hey, that's uh, pretty good. That's very space theme related. <laughs> I didn't think of that. The, uh, <laughs> the ascension it refers to the No ascent. wonder we have so many astrophysicist <laughs> listeners. The ascent of Christ into heaven um, on the 40th day after the resurrection. So uh, 40 days after Jesus uh, rises from the dead, bursts from the tomb on Easter Sunday, 
Um, he's about on earth um, uh, sh- revealing himself uh, to the disciples and, and others. And, uh, and then uh, 40 days after, he ascends uh, to the right hand of the Father. So the ascension. Nice. My theological buzz phrase for you is uh, Kepler's Laws of Planetary Motion. <laughs> I was going to look these up, but I didn't have time. So just from memory, uh, the three laws of Kepler are the orbit of every planet is an ellipse with the sun as one of the two foci. Uh, the third one is something like a line joining a planet and the sun sweeps out at equal areas during the initial intervals of time. And if I remember right, the third of Kepler's laws of planetary motion is that the square of the orbital period of a planet is directly proportional to the cube of the semi-major axis of its orbit. I think that's what it is. That's just from memory, though. (laughs) See, that's funny. I I thought they used to be called theological buzzwords, but I I must have been mistaken. That must have been a dream. Yeah. yeah. Well, sometimes you've got to branch out, you know. (laughs) We're uh, we're jacks of all trades. We we want to dumb things down for astrophysicist listeners. <laughs> the eccentricity e is the coefficient of variation between r min and r max. I'll I'll show you. I'll send the equation later. Thank I'll you. Draw it out and take a picture. All right, I'll do my best to work that in. Do you have an Do you have an email or two? Oh sure. I was just uh never. I mean, I got my emails open right here in front of me, not Wikipedia. Just email. Right, right. You're right. Uh, yeah, I just read the email, the astrophysicist. You want another one? Yeah, I do. I want another one. Um, this is a picture, though. I wish I could show. We should put this on the fan page. We were enjoying episode two, episode 220 during our recent car trip to o- <laughs> Omaha when we turned around to notice our two-year-old apparently not enjoying it so much. And there's a picture of this, the cutest girl I've ever seen with her e- fingers in her ears. <laughs> <laughs> Keep up the mediocrity. Thought you might enjoy the picture. Listener 13. Thanks, Devin. Appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks, Devin. Uh, I got another one here. Would, uh, would, 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 you know, how old was she? Two-year-old? Two. Our, our uh, two-year-old's kind of like, um, like, you know, they took canaries into the coal mine. Your two-year-old is, uh, is your, your kind of gauge for table talk radio, for, for radio enjoyment. Your two-year-old is sticking the fingers in the ears. You must be listening to Table Talk Radio. I think that's what that. that hey, did you see that uh, bump I sent you earlier today? Uh, better or, than had, nothing. Did we have that already? Yeah. yeah. Table Talk Radio. That's nice. That's a good one. Better than nothing. I think you could articulate that fantastic. Table Talk Radio. Better than nothing. <laughs> Table Talk Radio. Better than nothing. Better than nothing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anyway, here's one from Abby. Hi, Table Talk Radio. Hello, Abby. I know this is a, uh, this is the question email address. This isn't a question, just a comment. I will turn it into a question. <laughs> I listened to the podcast that you put up today, and one segment was, Who Wants to Be a Theologian? One of the clips talked about how we still have some good in us because we're all made in God's image. It was from someone talking about Catholicism. Tonight I attended a lecture at my college, Biola, and the speaker said the exact same thing. We need to stop thinking of ourselves as a wretch, as wretched people because we are made in God's image. So we actually have some good in us. So I guess it's not just Catholics who think that, uh, things like that. Just wanted to write because I just listened to it at, on the podcast. Love your show, Abby. Yeah, that's good. Now, I actually responded to Abby uh, through email. Um, and I think that it's good for us to hold this distinction between uh, being created in the image of God, which is true. Uh, versus having or possessing the image of God, um, because we have in our our uh, synodical section of the small catechism um, this the, the ask you know do we still possess the image of God and uh, it, and we and, and that at least says that we 
uh, have lost the image of God at the fall. Now, what's interesting, right. though, when we come yeah. now to uh, Colossians 1, it says that Jesus is the very image of God. And then mm-hmm. uh, chapter 3 says that uh, we put on the image in the new self, which is uh, you know done through holy baptism. True. So that if we are to have the image of God, it is not in our uh, in our uh, fallen humanity, which is what the Catholic quote uh, was saying that because we're we're in the image of God, then then we're not completely fallen. No, we are completely fallen, but um, we have the image of God in uh, faith um, through holy baptism. Nice. Yeah, that's 100%. So the, the gift of God now is for us a gift of creation, uh, a gift of redemption. Uh, Whereas for Adam, a, it was a gift of creation. A gift of creation. Yeah, yeah. nice. That's, that's cool. from the game, um, which article of the creed, by the way? Yeah, good. Remember that game? I do. We should play Probably a, a catechism days. version again sometime soon. Yeah. All right, do you want some more? Oh, I got another email. Two minutes here, yep. Dear Pastors Wolfmuller and Goglian, the other day while I was listening to show 214, how many shows have we done? It's ridiculous. We have that liner that not even our listeners can cancel us. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to only refer to numbers in expanded form due to our astrophysicist uh, show. To, the other day when I was listening to show 2 times 10 to the oh, second no. plus... Uh, 14. I was very interested to hear Pastor Wolfmuller state that it is difficult to refute isms such as missionalism and mysticism with a single Bible passage because they are theological constructs which bend the scripture to their own understanding. Did I say that? That's pretty <laughs> smart. I should listen to the show. I don't even know that stuff. I'm pretty How could sure. I possibly have said that. <laughs> this interested me because my husband leveled a similar criticism against my argument concerning the best interpretation of a couple of parables in Matthew 13, the hidden treasure and the pearl, versus uh, four times ten to the zero to the one. That's okay. Just to go on. Four times ten to plus six. I continued that if these parables mean that we should be willing to give up everything for the kingdom, as most commentaries seem to say, it would be a law passage, and we never do it. But if they teach that Christ had given all that he has to redeem us, that would be a gospel passage and a great comfort. He responded, oh, you make everything about law and gospel. I guess you might call my argument law and gospelism. So, I have two questions for you. Is the Lutheran view of law and gospel a theological construct through which we interpret the scriptures? And if so, what makes this theological construct? better than mysticism and missionalism and two is the message of matthew 13 4 44 to 46 law or gospel and why rest assured i'm not asking you to settle a family dispute i love the show keep up the mediocrity your michigan listener all this pressure to be mediocre i know what what easy who set the bar that high we finally achieved mediocrity (laughs) all right so we have two questions on the table is law and gospel and ism is it a is it a theological construct and number two uh, wh- how do we read this passage uh, of Matthew 13, the uh, the hidden treasure and the and the pearl? Uh, those are the questions on the table. We're going to respond to those when we get back from this commercial break. In the meantime, send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org, or give us a call, 1-800-385-7652. Don't forget to give this show to your astrophysicist listener. We'll be right back. Table Talk Radio, 
You won't find a better show out there unless you try. Everybody get up, it's time to slam now. We got a real jam going down. Welcome to the Space Jam. Here's your chance, do your dance at the Space Jam. Remember the Space Jam? No, this is Michael Jordan I and love the lo- Looney Tunes. That was pretty cool. All right, well, uh, so we have this uh, email from uh, our Michigan listener, our unnamed Michigan listener. Didn't, didn't want to identify uh, I understand it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> okay, well, I, I want to address this uh, question first. Is law and gospel an ism, or is it a theological construct? And the I answer, you want to address that. The answer is no. No. And, and here's why. Because God's word uh, is, I mean, God's word just stands, and uh, it's going to hit us sinners in one way or another. It's going to hit us as either law or gospel. It's either going to show us our sin and and break us down and kill us and condemn us, or God's word is going to have the effect of uh, of forgiving us, giving us life, um, and, and, and raising us up. Um, th- and those are the two things that God's word does. Um, so it's not a, it's not a ism, it's not a construct. A construct. So um, when uh, Balaam's ass spoke forth God's word, it spoke forth law and gospel. When the rocks cry out God's word, it cries out law and gospel. It's not it's not an ism. Now I think this is important because um, if you think that law and gospel is an ism or a construct then you would be free to replace it with another uh, construct, like uh, maybe uh, two kinds of righteousness. You see? And yeah. so now I'm going to say, well, we can uh, make uh, you know the civil righteousness uh, law and then the alien righteousness gospel. And this somehow makes it easier for us to, to speak about God's word or something like that. No, no, no. Right. God's word is law and gospel by its very nature, those are the word. Those are simply the words that we use to describe how God's word hits a sinner. Nice. I'll yeah. go with you on that. Okay. Now you can respond to her second question. What was the second question? Uh, hidden, hidden treasure. Uh, oh man. I, I <laughs> should probably should have known I was going to talk about that. So the hidden treasure is that Jesus tells a. I should look up the parable and actually read it here. I kind of go back and forth on this thing because. The question, and I probably shouldn't go back and forth, because you do have, as the listener points out, the common interpretation from everyone, which is that we got to go and sell everything we have and buy the kingdom. And then you have the kind of common neo-confessional Lutheran interpretation, which is that Jesus is the guy that goes and gives up everything and then and purchases us. Uh, it both seem to me a little bit cliche, I'll tell you. That's my problem. <laughs> Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a hidden, uh, is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Um, I mean, I suspect both. You know, we we want to interpret these texts by the rule of faith, and so both are true. I mean, we know on the one hand, Jesus tells us, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And all these things will be given unto you, right? Clothing and food and everything else. So we have that text. So uh, th- th- Jesus could be teaching that. We do also know that Jesus does forsake everything. That He who is rich became poor for your sake, that in him you might uh, have the riches of God. 
uh, so we so that Jesus is the one who gave up everything so that he would have us. So I think both are uh, both interpretations are allowable by the rule of faith. Now, what the Lord actually is, means in these texts, uh, uh, we'll have to you'll have to put it for the text in the next Iron Preacher and see what comes out. <laughs> that would be kind of fun. Uh, and and you could uh, you could go second wh- whichever way the previous uh, preacher preaches you preach it the other way go the opposite way <laughs> yes um, it is I mean it is nice that you have this language of buying that this this language of commerce so that if you if you read it the gospel way rather than the law way <laughs> uh, that uh, th- that that you have this purchase of Christ that that Jesus purchases us with His blood. Um, the the question is though I think from from the joy that he goes and sells, um, I don't know that Jesus um, Jesus put, lays down his life because of joy over us. He does it because of um, his gracious graciousness and love um, for us. Yeah, we do we do have that great text that for the it talks about the joy set before him. Uh, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Hebrews twelve two. Uh, yeah, but so but the, that but but it's not because he found joy in us. Right, right, that's right. Yeah, he 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 makes us and that 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 there that the Lord has joy over us is um because he makes because he makes his own joy, not because we're joyful. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, there, there's nothing in us to be joyous about except for the fact that we have Jesus' blood covering us. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's play which rocket. Uh, now, we have these three rockets sitting out there <laughs> outside the Table Talk Radio studios, and they they have uh, <laughs> three different this is labels. Ridiculous. <laughs> I hope you astrophysicists are out there enjoying this. So we have Take the a break from your Kepler's laws. What's my buzzword? That's your buzzword. I almost use your buzzword. You don't get any points oh, for that. Oh, Yours ascension. is ascension. Uh, so the three the three uh, rockets here are the first one being. Um, Mysticism. We'll take that one first. Now, mysticism is the rocket of emotions. You know how relevant we are? I mean, it used to be ladders. <laughs> that was rocket ships. That is relevant. We are <laughs> we are so modern. If you're boarding the space shuttle of mysticism, uh, you are an emotional wreck. <laughs> and you try to connect with God through your emotions so that you know that uh, you know, if you were to ask the question, what does God think of me, you would answer that question in the context of your emotions. God is happy with me or God is mad with me because I feel this or I've connected to God that way. Um, that That is how the, the mystic answers that question. But if you're boarding the space shuttle of rationalism, um, you then rely upon uh, – this is the, the space shuttle of, of intellect, right, of the mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that uh, I know that uh, – uh, God is is happy with me because I have I have rationalized this or that or really how we find this a lot of times um, is really those who who say that um, God is not mad with me because I know that there is no God <laughs> right uh, that God doesn't exist exist because um, I have this scientific proof or a lack of proof that I would expect God to provide for me so therefore God is not does not exist right. And then the last and final uh, space shuttle is moralism. <laughs> moralism, right? Did you forget? Yeah, I did for a second. You were so busy being relevant, <laughs> you forgot about. 
now only only people who think they're good are aboard this space shuttle. I mean, if you if you are if you're the tax collector weeping for your sins, you don't board this space shuttle. I mean, the the only the only uh, passengers on this space shuttle are Pharisees, and the goal here is to be good enough. Um, so if you think that your your you've been um, your behavior has been modified enough, or that you have achieved a certain level of morality, you board this space shuttle and you think that that it will launch on the basis of your works. That you've been good enough. So this is this is the shuttle of the will. Right. Bad. All bad shuttles. All crash and burn. Yes. Uh, so, are you ready for your clip? Oh, yeah. Okay, we have just enough time to get it in, and then we'll go to a break, and then I'll get your response on the other side of the break. So here okay. is uh, Carl Sagan. The largest recognizable structures in the universe had formed. We see them today. We ourselves inhabit some lost corner of one. We call them the galaxies. We inhabit a universe of galaxies. There are unstructured blobs, the irregular galaxies, globular or elliptical galaxies, and the graceful blue arms of spiral galaxies. We've been investigating the galaxies, their origins, evolution, and motions for less than a century. These studies extend our understanding to the farthest reaches of the universe. Our ship of the imagination carries us to that ultimate frontier. We view the cosmos on the grandest of scales. The majesty of the galaxies is revealed by science. There are many different ways in which stars are arrayed into galaxies. When, by chance, the face of a spiral galaxy is turned towards us, we see the spiral arms made luminous by billions of stars. When, in other cases, the edge of a galaxy is towards us, we see the central lanes of gas and dust from which the stars are forming. In barred spirals, a river of star stuff extends through the galactic center, connecting opposite spiral arms. Elliptical galaxies come in giant, and dwarf sizes. There are many mysterious galaxies, places where something has gone terribly wrong, where there are explosions and collisions and streamers of gas and stars, bridges between the galaxies. The galaxies look rigid and unmoving, but we see them only for a single frame of the cosmic movie. Their parts are dissipating and reforming on a time scale of hundreds of millions of years. A galaxy is a fluid made of billions of suns all bound together by gravity. These giant galactic forms exist throughout the universe and may be a common source of wonderment and instruction for billions of species of intelligent life. All right, so that was Carl Sagan, and we're going to get uh, Pastor Wolfmuller's guess on there if uh, Carl Sagan is boarding one of our three uh, rocket ships here. You're listening to Table Talk Radio, the astrophysicist. I can't stand the relevancy. <laughs> we'll be right back. You're listening to Table Talk Radio.
Table Talk Radio. Well, we think we're funny. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Before the break, we heard a clip from Carl Sagan talking about uh, different galaxies. And uh, there at the end, uh, told us how uh, how the galaxies have been have been changing for, for billions of years and uh, providing an atmosphere for life on, in other galaxies. So, Pastor Wolfmiller, what do you think? Here the men in black. Bow, bow, oh. Hey, if ever we do a speaking engagement together, which I we should do that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Anyone's looking for some uh, tragedy, mm-hmm. just let us know. We should do that together, and then we should walk in to that song. Here come. <laughs> oh, oh. Eh, eh, eh. And I'll dress up like um, uh, uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and you can dress up like his nerdy cousin. Remember that? I was going to dress up as Neo on The Matrix. Oh, that's that's basically um, uh, what uh, a cassock is. No, this is where my cassock. Yeah. <laughs> All right, are you stalling? Are you are you trying to avoid answering this question? Yeah, I'm just checking Facebook here, seeing what's going on. Right. Uh, now, the question that we wanted to ask is, which ladder? I mean, which rocket ship? How clever! Uh, this uh, Carl Sagan is telling us to climb. Now these these um, the scientists, our astrophysicists will know will recognize the danger of the rocket of uh, rationalism, which says that science uh, shows us uh, and teaches us all of these wonderful things. Now the thing that I was wondering about in that little um, quote, that little uh, reading that we had was this idea that we've only been studying the cosmos for a hundred years. That's weird. I mean, people have been looking at the stars forever. I mean, there's. it used to be, back in the day, five or six years ago, that the stars, before the Internet, remember, the stars are like the most uh, uh, fun thing to look at. And now they are, too, for a little while. Although I do have to, t- <laughs> I do have to tell you that I was out in the in the woods uh, last week. Remember when I called you on the way out and said, "Hey, can't record the show this week because I'm going to the sticks." I think I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. And uh, and we were sitting out by the stars, and you know, there's no um, there's no electricity or no uh, modern things no like cell computers or cell service, etc. <laughs> and uh, we were talking about how the stars would be the most it would be the entertainment of the the entertainment of the ancient world. And at the same time, Peyton Manning was leading the Broncos from the greatest <laughs> deficit to the greatest comeback, like in modern football history. <laughs> and I say, forget the stars. I wanted to watch that comeback. It was anyway. awesome. <laughs> Ugh. Anyhow, uh, so the danger that we have here is um, the danger of, uh, uh, oh, I forgot already, scientistism, uh, rationalism. That the, that the mind is able to unlock all of the secrets. Now, our, we should use our mind when we consider the stars and the world and this creation. We should uh, use our uh, reason and all of our intellect and all of the gifts that the Lord has given to us. We should use to sort these things out. Uh, but we also trust the Lord's word when it comes to things 
that ultimately matter even beyond space and time, and that is uh, eternal life and the resurrection, these, these sorts of things, salvation. Right. All right. Um, you going to buy it? You going to let me go for that? Yeah, I'll let you go for that. Now, I have another one, but we don't have to go for it, but if you want to get into Bible B. Yeah, let's do it. Want to do another one? Okay, this yeah, is Morgan Freeman on his show, Through the Wormhole. We've all done it. Stared into the night sky, gazed at the vast canopy of stars, and wondered what or who is out there. Is there other life in the universe? Maybe on a planet like ours with water and air? Or on some other kind of planet or moon? supporting an alien form of life. As a young boy growing up in the Mississippi Delta, I'd sit on the porch in the evening with my family, and we'd talk about things. When it was cloudy, it was very dark. Pitch he makes everything sound fantastic. We would think we were all we alone, about and then sometimes people would just appear out of the darkness. Will you see coming, Morris? It's David and Travis. Hi, boys. Could our universe be just as deceiving? Might other sentient life forms just appear out of the seeming darkness of space? There are more stars in the universe than all the grains of sand on every beach on Earth. And countless planets orbit those stars. So it would be arrogant to think that we are the only creatures arrogant. in the cosmos. Arrogant. Oh. I think it's easy to imagine life on other worlds. And I'm not alone. All right. What do you think of that? I think you know, there's this great irony, this fantastic <laughs> irony, that the atheist comes along and says, now, well, I should say, first of all, before I get to the, to the uh, extremely nice point that I was going to make, get ready, everyone. It'll come in a few minutes. First, I'm going to make a snarky remark. I think I know what you're going to say, so it can't be that brilliant. But go ahead. I think it's amazing that Morgan Freeman can make everything. I mean, this most inane sentence sound fantastic. <laughs> when I was growing up in the Mississippi Delta, we would sit outside and talk. <laughs> you would do what? Morgan Freeman would talk. Anyone else says that? Like, yeah, yeah, we'd sit around outside and talk. So... But Morgan, we would. <laughs> okay, enough snarkiness. Why don't you move now, on to your point? The second thing that's amazing of the irony of this great thing is that you say the the atheist, you know, the atheist, which is the the uh, the the the, all, the atheist is always an expert in the cosmos, and the atheist says, "Well, you can't believe in God. That's ridiculous. There's no evidence for God." And they say, "But we believe that there's life on other planets." <laughs> Because you got evidence for that? You got a lot of evidence for life on other planets? Well, no, well it's just exactly. like it's just like when you're you know talking with your family and it's dark outside and you can't really see out there. That's that's kind of what it's like. So so if it, <laughs> just because we don't see it doesn't mean that it's not there. Wait a minute! <laughs> yeah. Did you just say that? Because that's the kind of thing that you stick out your tongue at me for saying. <laughs> And I don't even say that. That's there you. is some irony there. There is some there irony is, there. There is, I'd it's, say. It's a bit like uh, that clip from the movie Expelled with Ben Stein where, where Richard Dawkins uh, says it's more likely that there's aliens who created life on Earth than God. Yeah. That's right. Right. Because we got all the evidence. 
Because, you know, we got the DNA. Alien evidence. <laughs> okay, we have three minutes, so what do you think for a rocket? This, uh, this again, is going to be the rocket of rationalism. All this kind of stuff is. that, And, and the, here's the danger of rationalism. The Lord has given us this great gift of ration. <laughs> He rationed it of to reason. you, <laughs> <laughs> The great gift of reason, and we ought to use it, uh, but it the, re, the role of reason is as a servant, not as a master. And, and the, the dangerous thing is when, is when reason uh, um, begins to act in arrogance and say that it has all the answers. What, one of the key uh, attributes that reason ought to have, that science ought to have, that government ought to have, that really I suspect everyone ought to have, is a bit of humility, um, so that there should be some humility with science. I mean, science of all places, we should turn to science and say, maybe we don't know everything. You mean like you, know? you, you arrogant one who thinks that there's only life on Earth? <laughs> You should have. I don't know. I don't know anything about any kind of life on any other planet. I'm, I just, I'm an agnostic when it comes to <laughs> extraplanetary life. I don't know anything, but it just so happens that actually nobody knows anything about that. <laughs> so you're in good company then. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move along to some Bible B. We have two minutes. We probably get one round in here. Oh yeah. Okay. We'll stall for just a second while I uh, I got it here somewhere on okay. my computer. So, yeah. I thought we were doing Ten Commandments in the news. We, I got this article. Well, here. Do you want to skip Romney Bible and B? Obama camp fighting over? No, I like it when you play Bible B. <laughs> I do too because I get all these points. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. You get all these points. Okay, found one. All right. Now, I don't have the traditional Bible B numbering because stars. When you say stars, it doesn't quite count. Oh, anyway. Okay. Got to be a little. That's fine. Uh, so one verse for each one. Okay. okay. Ready. He brought him outside and said, look toward the heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your seed be. Ah, so when you first said this to look at the heaven and number the stars, I was first thinking Job because uh, you have that section in Job where he's like, hey, where were you when I was creating all this stuff? Uh, if you're so great, uh, you know, where were you? Um, Hold but on, i got to look up a second different verse. <laughs> <laughs> okay, keep going. We, we might have that one. example a little bit later in the show. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind, Job. But I, I now I'm sorry that I brought that up. <laughs> I, I, get so that. Much about Job. I think this, right. though, is Abraham. This is a promise that uh, God gave to Abraham that he will... Uh, have uh, many descendants, and this takes place in the book of Genesis. Hey, indeed. In fact, the very next verse is where Abraham believed the Lord. I mean, this is the promise uh, where Abraham so, believed. So, wait, wait, wait. Can I guess the chapter then? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is chapter 15. Indeed. Wait, wait. Can I guess the verse? Yeah. I'm going to guess this is verse 5. <laughs> you got it. All right. On the head. Ding, How ding. many points is that then? It's like 7,000. 7,000. 7 times 10 to the third. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. I'll take it. And then after this break, I'll take some more points and we'll get on to the Job passage. Uh, you're listening to Table Talk Radio. We do want to hear from you. Uh, the number is 1-800-385-SOLA. <laughs> or give us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. More Bible Bee and Ten Commandments News right after this.
this is Todd Wilkin, host of Issues Etc. When I can't sleep, I listen to Table Talk Radio. In the atmosphere With drops of Jupiter in her head Welcome back to the final segment of Table Talk Radio on this astrophysicist edition of Table Talk Radio. Two more rounds of Bible B and then we're going to play oh, two rounds Ten of Commandments B. in the News. I wasn't Fantastic. even being... <laughs> Oh, Good to know about that two it's, rounds it's, of Bible It's tough B. counting to three sometimes, so I, I don't blame you. One, <laughs> One two, two. See what comes after two again? Three? Okay. Now, what were you talking about earlier about the stars? Uh, we had that first verse, and you thought it was what? <laughs> I thought it was Jeremiah, I think, is what I, what I thought it was. <laughs> oh, is that right? <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, I got one. All right, let's hear it. Are you ready? One verse, because these are all one verse, because I changed the rules, because mm-hmm. I couldn't find, because the word star didn't quite work. Right. You ready? You multiplied their children as the stars of heaven, and you brought them into the land that you had told their fathers to enter and possess. Woo. <laughs> okay. You're right. Well, You're this... never going to get this. You're never going to get close. This I'm is... I'm not sure if you know what this... This book is in the Bible. <laughs> Remember when I when I quoted the Apocrypha? We were so ahead yeah. of the curve of CPH that then. I know, I know. They're always copying <laughs> us. Uh, okay, so this next is... they're going to come out with a book called what? Ten Commandments in the News. <laughs> okay, so this is going back to to the round one of Bible B, uh, referring to the children of Abraham. But uh, where where this promise then is recalled um, is the question. So I'm going to have you read it one more time. Okay. You multiplied their children as the stars of heaven, and you brought them into the land that you had told their fathers to enter and possess. Hmm. You want another verse? Sure. I'll give, you, I'll give you as many as you want. You're never going to get this. So the descendants went in and possessed the land, and you subdued before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gave them into their hand with the kings and the people of the land, that they might do with them as they as they would. Hmm. And they captured fortified cities and rich land, and took possession of the house full of houses full of good things, cisterns already hewn, vineyards, olive orchards, and fruit trees in abundance. So they ate and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness. Okay, so because of your um prideful confidence that I won't get this. I think, I mean, I was obviously recounting what uh, the Lord has done for Israel. Uh, I think that this is going to be one of the uh, times one of the minor prophets recount uh, such a thing. So the question is, what what minor prophet is recounting this? Um, I'm going to say, oh, let's see, we have books like, you know, Obadiah, which would be one that you would probably go with. Um, okay, final answer. I'm going to say the book of... <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's not. I bet it's not a no. major prophet. I bet it's a major prophet. 
I, I mean, I was. Did my silence stifle you? No, I was. No. I, I was just going through the list of minor prophets and and thinking about the content Could, therein, and I didn't really think that that the minor prophets recounted as much as the major prophets do. You just listen to all so, the minor prophets in your mind. Yeah. Wow, that fast. So I'm going to change my guess to uh, the book of Isaiah. <laughs> no, Nehemiah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, buddy. Oh. Nehemiah. I like to say, yeah, buddy, now, because of a guy I met on uh, on the TV yeah. show called Wipeout, oh, yeah. who always said, yeah, buddy. I've added that to my vocab. This is Nehemiah uh, chapter 9, verse mm, 23. So it's a, it's a prayer as Nehemiah is recounting all the good things that the Lord has done for the people, and yet they... Mm. Uh, they rebelled, and yet the Lord is always merciful, and he's brought them back to the land, etc. Uh, well, let's see if I can get the last one. Oh, okay. Are you ready? Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm not ready. This is gospel then, by the way. Um, so when the, when, when the, the, the prophet Nehemiah extols the things of, of God, that what he has done for Israel, these are all problems. Because it, Israel is not deserving or worthy of... of what the Lord has done, He only does out of grace and mercy. Um, That's and true. So this is pure gospel. Okay, now I'm ready for round two. Around okay, three. round round three. Uh, one verse. Ready? Mm-hmm. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. That's gross, by the way. They don't they don't allow dragons in the birthing rooms anymore. They they put the ban. It just on that. got to be too like much, you know. Thirty years ago, no more dragons in here, ready to devour us. Well, uh, this talk of dragon is is uh, I think particular to a certain kind of literature uh, that we come across in the Bible. I suppose it comes up a few times, but. Um, I think that at least the, the place it comes up for me is in the um, book of Revelation. As opposed to where it comes up for everyone else? That's weird. Well, I'm sure it comes up somewhere else. Let's do a little little search, shall we? Am I right in Revelation, by the way? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. All right. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, that's right. Dragon. So, I forgot we were playing a game here. <laughs> yeah, Nehemiah, here. Isaiah. Uh, there's only other two. Nehemiah and Isaiah also bring up the word dragon. Okay, but I am going to guess, um, I, cause, because I, I think that I can guess the uh, chapter and verse here. Are you ready? Yeah, yes. I'm gonna... Oh, yes. Extra points for this. <laughs> so we got the book, Revelation. Chap, uh, chapter 12. Yes. And I'm going to guess verse 4. That's right. That's amazing. <laughs> I, I have a confession to make. We're studying this in the women's Bible study, and we just got done studying this. So that, oh. that gave me the edge. <laughs> That's why I remember this. That's why I always study the minor prophet. Are we studying Amos again? <laughs> Come on, until I memorize it. That's Another we... time through Esther. <laughs> Esther again? Pastor, can we please? <laughs> Till I know this, I don't want to be mocked by the Calvinists for not knowing Esther. That's right. Uh, so, uh, millions and millions of points for me. And yeah. um, What are we going to do with all those points? 
Is this law or gospel, Pastor? I don't know. You, I'll oh, let you have you, it. You, no, you got to do this for points. What do you mean you're going to let me do it? Um, okay, so you can do the broader context. Remember, uh, Jesus ascends into heaven. He brings his blood into the heavenly chambers, and now there's no longer a place found for the devil any longer. He's cast down that great okay, serpent of old. Sure, that is that is certainly gospel. That the that the Lord by his blood would would dispel. Uh, the old wily foe, as, as Luther calls it in his famous hymn, A Mighty Fortress. Um, so now um, one little word can fell him, um, which I think is the word of Christ, by the way. Is that right? Oh, the one little word? The mystery? the one. What is the one little word? Yeah. What's the one word? The word of Christ. I think that's right. Yeah. Uh, so gospel. All sorts Th- of this is gospel. Ones about that, but <laughs> pure gospel. <laughs> All right, let's play some Ten Commandments in the news. Are you yeah. ready? I, I've got a, a news article for you somewhere around here. Yeah, I'm ready. Oh, it just disappeared. Let's see here. Space. Man jumps from outer space. Oh, that's what I was going to do for you, too. <laughs> uh, this is uh, Felix Baumgartner, the Australian daredevil. His name is Baum? That's awesome name. If you, B-A-U-M. Now look, can, if your name was Baum... You're almost, it's like you're predestined to jump out of an airplane. <laughs> Australian daredevil on his world record jump. Fear and not saying goodbye. Uh, this is kind of a Q&A. He says, why? Jump from the, the from 24 miles up. Was it the speed or the altitude that interests you? He says, I think it's more watching the world from above. As a little kid, I climbed a lot of trees <laughs> because I always loved the bird's eye view. So there wasn't a tree that was 24 miles high, so we had to jump from a spaceship. Uh, a little, I mean, it's a slightly different perspective. As, yeah, as soon as, as a I child, turned, I had a, I was on top bunk of the bunk bed, so I always <laughs> thought I would want to go to the moon. As soon as I turned 16, I went to the local skydiving club to learn how to skydive, and from that moment on, I was addicted. You didn't pause for very long on the threshold or look around before you jumped. Uh, were you eager or afraid you might change your mind? He says, I was eager. Uh, I've been working on this for so many years. It was not a question, do I do it or not? Plus, uh, you cannot stand there forever. As soon as I disconnect the oxygen lines from the ship's system, I uh, get out of the capsule. I'm only breathing oxygen from my bailout bottle. <laughs> good grief. And that's only good for about 10 minutes. I have to go fast as I can. That's nuts. <laughs> I mean... And when I say nuts, I mean the awesome kind of nuts. Yeah. Okay. I so mean, I don't need peanuts. I mean like salted cashews. Real quickly, Ten Commandments. Anyone? <laughs> this is kind of tough. It probably the closest commandment that this comes to is you shall not murder. But I, I, I think <laughs> I think probably the command. You know, really, I think the the that this falls under is the command to have dominion over the earth and subdue it. As man pushes the limits of this, um, huh. as the, the limits of this creation. Very good. That's that's better than I can do. I think I won. What are the whatever the point tally is? I am the champion. And uh, thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio, where the points are like what the Opinio Legis thinks about the gospel. What What are you talking about? Let's <laughs> wait till next week. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. 
That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.